Electra. You may recognize the name from Freud's Electra complex, which is said to be the daughter-to-father equivalent of the Oedipus complex. Or, you might recognize the name from Euripides, Sophocles, or Aeschylus. You may recognize her from the dozens of artistic interpretations of this infamous tale. Or, you may not recognize it at all and wonder why I keep talking about it. By now, you may actually be intrigued to know why. Hello, my name is Alyssa White, and welcome to this episode of Alone Together. Right in front of you, captured in a single moment in the Morgan Gallery of the Worcester Art Museum, there is an entire story being told to you through the oils on the canvas. The first thing you will likely notice is the bright splashes of color, red, green, and blue. These vibrant colors make up the clothes that are donned by two of the painting's most prominent figures. A man wearing a soldier's helmet and with a sword on his waist is turned. We only see his sharp profile. His gaze falls on the woman beside him, the most important figure in this painting. The woman's pale arms are clutching a vase of some sort, her breast exposed through the falling fabrics of her robes. However, the part that stands out the most is her face. Her eyes are fixed towards the sky, and the look on her face raises question. She is possibly overcome with grief, or perhaps is there a faint glimmer of hope in her eyes, hopeful that all of her sufferings will soon be avenged. During the late 18th century and early 19th century, European artists like Jean-Baptiste Joseph Foucault, who painted the masterpiece before you, were heavily influenced by Greek and Roman art and stories. One of these stories is the infamous story of family conflict and revenge, the myth of Electra. It is a story told by many, most famously through the writings of several Greek playwrights. Today, I want to tell you that story. No god hearkens to the voice of lost Electra, or heeds the sacrifices offered by my father long ago. Woe for the dead! Woe for the living wanderer, who dwelleth in some foreign land, an outcast and vagabond at a menial board, sprung though he is of a famous sire. Electra was the daughter of Agamemnon and Clytemnestra, the king and queen of Mycenae. During the Trojan War, the goddess Artemis demanded that Agamemnon sacrifice his daughter Iphigenia in order for him and his soldiers to be granted safe passage. Agamemnon did as the goddess requested. The sacrifice of their eldest daughter, however, angered his queen, Clytemnestra. Though it is not clear that this could be the only reason Clytemnestra resented Agamemnon, the results of this embitterment never changed from interpretation to interpretation. During this time, Clytemnestra had taken a lover, Aegisthus. The two of them plot to and then slaughter the King Agamemnon upon his return from the war. 
This is where Electra comes in. Electra is devastated at the murder of her beloved father. She is filled with hatred towards her mother for carrying out such an evil deed. But above all, she is fearful for her young brother, Orestes. Scared that the queen and her lover would come for him next, since he would technically inherit the throne upon his father's death, Electra entrusts Orestes to the care of a nearby king, where he will be safe from Clytemnestra and Aegisthus. O oh, sable knight, nurse of the golden stars, beneath thy pall I go to fetch water from the brook with my pitcher poised upon my head. Not indeed because I am forced to this necessity, but that to the gods I may display the affronts Aegisthus puts upon me, and to the wide firmament pour out my lamentation for my sire. For my own mother, the baleful daughter of Tyndareus, hath cast me forth from her house to gratify her lord. For since she hath borne other children to Aegisthus, she puts me and Orestes on one side at home. In some interpretations, Electra remains stuck in the kingdom with her mother, who treats her with disdain and demands Electra to pour libations for her dead father. In other versions, specifically the one written by Euripides, Clytemnestra marries Electra off to a poor merchant, stripping Electra of her royal status and thus making Electra's anger grow. She vows to return to the kingdom to avenge her father. For the sake of this story, as well as what the painting seems to depict, I will go with the versions that say she remained in the kingdom. Years go by, and Orestes is now old enough to be a soldier. He returns to the kingdom with his friend Pylades, who is the son of the king that took care of Orestes. Upon his return, a haggard and despairing Electra is there, lamenting her losses, but also praying for the safety of her little brother. Imagine the joy in her heart when she sees her brother, clad in his red warrior robes, Upon this reunion, the time has come for all evil doings to come full circle. Then show thyself a man. And you, my friend, signal to me by cries the certain issue of this fray. Myself will keep the sword ready in my grasp, for I will never accept defeat and yield my body to my enemies to insult. And now, here we are. For a moment, I want to draw your attention back entirely to the painting in front of you. Right in front of your very eyes, Wakar gives you the precise moment of relief and hope in Electra's tearful eyes. Her prayers to the gods have finally been answered, as her brother stands before her alive and as vengeful as she is. Though it may not seem obvious at first glance, Wakar's work tells you, the viewer, the entire story of Electra in one frame. 
You see clearly the siblings at the forefront, with Electra clutching the urn that is filled with fake ashes, which is a ploy arranged by Orestes and Pilates, who is to the right of Orestes in the painting, to give Clytemnestra and her lover the impression that Orestes is dead. In the background, to the very right of the painting, if you look closely, you can see their mother, Clytemnestra, and her lover, Aegisthus, scheming in the shadows. And, to the very left of the painting, you can see the tomb of the slain Agamemnon. A very messed up family reunion indeed. Once the moment shown in the painting has passed, the long-awaited act of revenge follows closely behind. Electra and her brother seize the opportunity while they can. She encourages Orestes to kill Clytemnestra and Aegisthus and regain the throne that was stripped from him. Orestes is at first hesitant to kill his mother. Electra, on the other hand, stands strong in her thirst for justice. She insists that Clytemnestra and Aegisthus be punished. Electra's involvement in the actual murder of Clytemnestra and Aegisthus varies per artistic interpretation. It may seem that more often than not, the men swoop in and swiftly take over the situation and carry out the bloody deed. However, not everyone sees it this way. Instead, many artists and people like myself imagine Electra wearing her heavy robes, brandishing an axe or a knife or a sword, which glints in this dim sunlight as she walks, side by side with the brother she loves and saved, together until the end. I too bewail thee, dying by thy children's hands. God deals out his justice in his good time.